Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Titus. Today is episode 687. We're looking at Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Before we dive into it, let's uh, bring ourselves up to date. We just finished 1 Timothy. It's Paul's first letter to Timothy that we have. And that was sent from Philippi to Timothy in Ephesus. We've been going through Paul's letters chronologically. We had gone through the book of Acts, and so much of Acts is devoted to Paul's travels and ministry. And so we started going through Paul's letters in chronological order. They're arranged in the Bible, not chronologically. There's 13 letters, nine of them to churches, four to individuals. The ones to churches are first, then the four to individuals, and they're arranged from longest to shortest. So they're not chronological. We started with Galatians, which was written right after Paul's first missionary journey. And then during his second missionary journey, while he was in Corinth, he wrote First and Second Thessalonians. On his third missionary journey, while he was in Ephesus, he wrote First Corinthians. Then right after he left Ephesus and went to Macedonia, he wrote Second Corinthians. Then traveled down to Corinth, and that's where he wrote Romans. Then he had gone back to Jerusalem, was arrested, held in custody for two years, then traveled to Rome for his appeal. And then during that two-year imprisonment in Rome, he wrote Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, and Philippians. After that, Acts ends uh, as Paul goes into his two-year imprisonment. So we don't have Acts to go by. We have some writings from church leaders from late, first century, early second century, where they say what Paul did, but it's not scripture. We have a reasonable idea of what went on in Paul's life. And the best reconstruction now for these last three letters to Timothy and Titus are that, as Paul said in Philippians, that if he was released, he would send Timothy to Philippi. And that's probably what happened, is he sent Timothy to Philippi, and Paul went to Ephesus. Then Timothy left Philippi, joined Paul in Ephesus, and then Paul left Timothy in Ephesus. He went to Philippi, and that's where he wrote 1 Timothy from Philippi. Sometime shortly thereafter, it seems that he probably took Titus and went to the island of Crete. Then he left Titus in Crete, and he traveled some other places, and it was probably in Corinth that he wrote his letter to Titus. Then there, there's questions, did Paul ever go to Spain? And some of the early church leaders said, yes, he did go to Spain and probably took Titus with him. Then he came back to Greece and probably was arrested in Troas and then imprisoned in Rome and then held there until his execution. And during that Roman imprisonment, he wrote Second Timothy. We don't know all that for sure. It makes for a good explanation to, to understand how things are working. So we're starting into Titus, and Paul is probably in Corinth and is writing a letter to Titus, who he has left in Crete. Now, what do we know about Crete? Not a whole lot. Paul doesn't seem ever really went there. 
he sailed past the southern coast of Crete on the way to Rome for his appeal. And the only other thing we really know about Crete is on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it says that there were people from Crete there who heard the Christians preaching the gospel in their own language. This was this miraculous speaking in foreign languages on the day of Pentecost. Other than that, we don't know anything about Crete until basically now. But Titus is in Crete, and he's been left there by Paul to do much the same thing as Timothy was doing in Ephesus. Appoint leaders and set some things right, deal with some false teachers. So it seems Christianity had already come to Crete, but it was probably growing and churches were being started and there were leaders that need to be appointed. And so Paul had left Titus there to deal with these things. Now, the item of Crete has a long history and something of a uh, well checkered history. The phrase, act the Cretan, meant to be a liar. So if, you, if somebody said that somebody was acting the Cretan, what they meant was they were lying. Because the Cretans were famous for lying. Now, that was what they were known for. Was it really true? Who knows? But that's something that they were known for. The people of Crete believed that all of the Greek gods had begun there in the island of Crete. In fact, Zeus was supposedly buried in Crete. Now, none of it was true, but that was their own legends. Let's dive into Titus now and look at Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life, the God who cannot lie, promised before time began, in his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So Paul's identifying himself here. He hasn't identified Titus yet. That will come next. But Paul identifies himself as a servant of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now Paul identifies himself in other letters, Romans, Galatians, and Philippians, as a servant of Christ Jesus. Here he identifies himself as a servant of God. It's the only one of his letters he uses that identification. He also identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is one who's been sent as a representative. And there's two senses of using the word apostle that can be used of anyone who is sent. So I, throughout the book of Acts, a lot of times Paul's companions are called apostles. They have been sent with the gospel. But Paul's using this as the idea of one of the apostles. And these were the ones who were personally chosen by Jesus Christ to be his representatives. So Paul is a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And now he identifies the purpose of being an apostle. For the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. The purpose of him being an apostle is for the faith of God's elect. Well, who are God's elect? Well, elect just means chosen. So for the people of God, those chosen to be God's people. 
There's two ways often we, we throw around the word elect as one, those irregardless of time, meaning the elect from the beginning to the end of time. And the other is just those who have already come to know Christ. I think that's the, the way Paul's using it here, is those who have already come to know Christ. So he's basically saying for the Christians, for the faith of the Christians, the faith of the people of God. So that's the reason he is an apostle, is for their faith. And their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So this is his purpose. Some people want to turn this into a, a sequence. That's an okay thing to do. Faith, knowledge, godliness. Can't really come to knowledge about Christianity until you become a Christian. There's a certain amount of knowledge necessary to become a Christian to really understand Christianity. So much of that is spiritually revealed. It's more than just facts and details. It's knowing God. And that only happens after you come to know God, after you come to Christ. So there is faith, and then that leads to knowledge, and that leads to godliness. Godliness is how you live, living out your life in a relationship with Christ, growing in that relationship, acting in accordance with the truth of the gospel. So that's the purpose of him being an apostle, is for their faith and their knowledge. But then verse 2, in the hope of eternal life that God who cannot lie promised before time began. Now, that in the hope of eternal life links back to being an apostle. He's an apostle in the hope of eternal life that God who cannot lie promised before time began. So this is his reason for his ministry is he's proclaiming the hope of eternal life. And when we use hope, we're not using it as a wishful thinking. We talk about it's what we're counting on, counting on this eternal life. Promised by God. God who cannot lie. Now, there may be some subtlety to this cannot lie thrown in here. I mentioned that the Cretans, the people of Crete, were known to be liars. And their patron Greek god, so to speak, was Zeus, who in some of his exploits was supposedly lied in order to get his way in, in certain circumstances. So Zeus was a liar. The Cretans are liars. Contrast that with God, who cannot lie. What God says is true. And these promises date back before time began. Verse 3, in his own time, he has revealed his word and the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So God has chosen when to reveal all of this, that is Christianity, the way of salvation through Christ. And that time, well, Paul's proclaiming is, is now. In his time, he's revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted. So Paul's saying, I was entrusted with the gospel. How to know God through Christ Jesus. And that is at the command of God, our Savior. We've seen God described as our Savior a couple places in Timothy already, and, and now here in Titus. And God is the one who provides salvation. We normally think of Jesus Christ as the Savior, and he is. But we can also speak of God as a Savior, as he's the one who provides salvation. He's the one who makes salvation happen. 
So this is the introduction to Paul's letter to Titus. Titus is in Crete to deal with some problems. And this shows the high degree of trust that Paul has in Titus. So next time we'll talk a little about Titus himself and what do we know about Titus. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time to continue working through Paul's letter to Titus.